Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening. This is Hey Human Podcast. You're a human, I'm a human. Everybody is a human too. Except for dogs and cats and birds and things. Anyway, hello. Um, yeah, so on today's episode, episode, okay, I have a cold. The cold medicine is doing its thing. Can't help it. It's going to make me a little weird and nutty, but I will press on. Today's episode is brought to you by the letter Sudafed. <laughs> um, anyway, today on Hey Human, I have this great conversation with Greg Vandy. Seattle Greg Vandy. Yes, he is from my hometown. Uh, great guy. He came to Nashville uh, for the Americana Music Conference. And so I got to meet him uh, for the first time then. And uh, we had, we'd known each other on social media and such. We were introduced by a mutual friend uh, that is the booking guy at the Triple Door in Seattle, which is my favorite music venue. So shout out to Scott. He's a great guy. And he introduced me to Greg. Um, and because Greg was coming to Nashville for the Americana Conference and thought, you know, it's always good to have a friend in a city that you haven't been to. So uh, met Greg, we hung out, he did some panels for the Americana Fest, and uh, he DJed uh, while he was here, which is super cool. And anyway, he's just such an interesting guy. He wrote a book called 26 Songs in 30 Days, Woody Guthrie's Columbia River Songs and the Planned Promised Land in the Pacific Northwest. How's that for a title? It's very long. It's not as long as a Fiona Apple album title, but it's pretty darn long. Uh, he also is the curator and uh, creator of American Standard Time, the radio show on KEXP, which is 90.3 in Seattle, and is arguably, I mean, I would argue it, um, the best radio station in the nation. It's such a good radio station. If you haven't tuned into KEXP, do so. It's on the internet, so you can listen to it no matter where you are in the world. And if you're in Seattle, you already know about it, so I don't need to tell you. Um, yeah, anyway, so we talked about Woody Guthrie, which is, I had no idea he was such a fascinating person. I mean, obviously I knew his music because I'm a musician and, you know, I knew he was and I know his stories and I know this land is your land and, and all that good stuff. But um, it's really, is an interesting historical figure for sure. But it's not all we talk about. We talk about all sorts of things. We talk about music and life and, and all the good stuff. So I um, hope you enjoy it. I know I did. I just, I really, Greg is a cool dude, so it was great to sit and chat with him. Um, the, oh, I want to say in the next couple weeks, there's going to be some pretty interesting episodes coming up, so make sure to tune in. I don't usually, you know, give the, the hint of what's to come, but honestly, there are going to be some, some good episodes upcoming. Not that they're not all good. You know how I feel about this. I love every single one of them because I love all the humans and all the conversations and learning about all this stuff. It's great because I always had to research stuff and I'm learning so much about the things and the stuff and it's awesome. Um, speaking of which, every time I have one of these episodes, those of you who know, know. Those of you who don't know, I'm about to tell you, on heyhumanpodcast.com, I um, do little blips about my guests and then I also do uh, little blips about historical people, 
that I find interesting or that maybe we talked about in the podcast episode or somehow it's related, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so check that out for sure on the links page and the humans page on heyhumanpodcast.com and also on facebook.com slash heyhumanpodcast. You can like that page. That'd be awesome. And then I have instagram.com slash heyhumanpodcast and I try and pluck people out of history and stick them up on there and write a little blurb about them or I take someone else's copy and credit them of course um uh, you know anyway so that's that's interesting if you find that stuff interesting please check it out please follow and like and all the things you do on the social medias and I'm on iTunes under hey human uh rate it review it tell your friends about it subscribe it's all good that would make me very very happy and uh, for you with the Google phones, uh, have Podbean. So uh, I'm on Podbean. So if you go get the free Podbean app and download it onto your Google phone, you can listen to me while you're driving in your car with your earbuds in or while you're working at your desk on your worky things. <laughs> so, or when you're out for a walk or a stroll somewhere, you know? A walk and a stroll, I feel like those are two different things. The pacing is much different. So anyway, uh, that's all I've got for y'all. <laughs> if you want to reach out to me, uh, Susan at HeyHumanPodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you. Um, if you know somebody cool or interesting that you think I should talk to, shoot me a line and, and let me know who that person is. Or maybe it's you and I want to talk to you, you know? So yeah, that's all I got. Have a wonderful, wonderfulness. And thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Bye. Here's the episode. Not bye for real bye. Bye as in enough of me talking. Okay. Bye. Greg Vandy, how are you today, sir? Hey, hi. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Susan. How are you? Thanks for being on uh, Hey Human podcast. Thank you. You're very, very uh, cool dude, man. You, uh, you came to Nashville. We got to meet in person. We had a big yeah. time while you were here for the Americana Festival. We that was yeah. that was a fun dinner. A couple of my friends, they loved you. They thought you were hilarious. That was fun. That was super fun. So I'm you, sipping, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sipping coffee right now. That's well, you are in Seattle. I think that's part of the. the <laughs> oh my god! Hey, hey now. That's the way things are. Hey, I'm from Seattle. I was raised up on good coffee. I understand. Yeah. There's some decent coffee here in Nashville. Yeah, there is. It's, did, it's everywhere now. Did you make it to Crema when you were here? That's my favorite. No, I couldn't really get to a lot of places because I was, you know, taking the Uber around and stuff, and I had to go to places and be somewhere all the time. Yeah, so, you had a lot of people pulling on you for sure. Yeah, it was really fun, though. Yeah. It was really you know, it's really good to um, have people want to listen to what you say. That's just an amazing thing. So I was on some panels and did some book readings, and That's people right. sit there and listen. You know, who, who would have thought? It's great. All right, so you do The Roadhouse. It's American Blues and Roots Music on Wednesdays, 6 to 9, on Seattle's KEXP on Wednesdays. Yeah, and it's also available on the archive, too, so you can listen to the show anytime you want by going to kexp.org and then just choosing the show or the time or or the, or my name and you can find it whenever you want yeah and i'll put a link to it on my hey human podcast website too and you're also yeah. a dj which is so cool yeah i dj last night at this new orleans food and funk fest thing 
which was pretty interesting. That's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> food food and- Fest. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fun. And most importantly, uh, you are an author of the book 26 Songs in 30 Days. I wrote it down so I didn't screw it up. What do you got through these Columbia River, River songs? And it's on Sasquatch Books. And that just came yeah. out. Yeah, it did. You forgot part of the title. It's Dang it! It goes, it goes even longer than that. So, what, what is the full title? So, someone told me it was called metadata when you have a lot of words for your title. So, you got the title right, but you forgot the part about, um, and the plan promised land in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, I did forget that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a it's, a it's sort of an important concept because it's, it's really sort of the the uh, the purpose the reason why Woody was hired to be a commissioned songwriter right um, was to promote this idea this 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 you know very high rhetoric idea of of a planned promised land in the from Northwest. the Bonneville the Bonneville Power right the yeah so you know it was like they were trying to sell. Um, New Deal projects, you know, this is like uh, late 1930s, and 1941 was the actual year where Woody was hired to write the songs, but, you know, the whole thing was based on um, trying to uh, sell the consumer, the public, the idea of uh, public power and and uh, irrigation for the Columbia Basin and the, these sort of things to help um, solve the Dust Bowl crisis and the Depression in general. Yeah, and he was... As we like to say, a hungry songwriter raising some kids. He was in California, and yeah. and they approached him. They were trying to put a like a pleasant face, a approachable face on this big idea. Yeah, yeah, it's a very big idea. You know, the the idea of the Grand Coulee Dam um, was sort of a nas- a national curiosity uh, back in those days because it was literally the biggest thing man had ever done and it was just a very massive uh, project in scale and in size and in sort of the concept of it all and, and so Woody was intrigued by that and it also would directly benefit you know his people you know the migrant uh, people who were leaving the Dust Bowl area looking for a new opportunity a new start and, and, a, and a chance in, in the world and, and so Woody uh, felt this was a great idea and it helped his people and, and he, he needed a job first and foremost you know yeah so what did, did the thing that drew you to this topic was it music because it was Woody Guthrie or was it history because history is so interesting or was it a mix or wow good questions um, you know that's a great question because you I, I really don't expect anyone to be a Woody Guthrie fan just by coming to him cold and not knowing um, about him and just listening to the songs and the, you know, the, the very dated music and the, you know, the production quality of older music is sometimes hard for people to uh, appreciate nor to even like, you know, so, and the fact that Woody wasn't a great singer or musician, you know, so, um, it, it's, I guess it's never been about the music. I was never a big Woody Guthrie fan just from his records or recordings, but once you get to sort of understand his um, importance and his role in shaping sort of the folk identity of the 20th century, then you sort of understand the music. And yeah, he, he wrote, you know, over, over 3,000 songs. And of course, many of those were never recorded. Um, 
he only got to record a real sort of limited opportunity to to record his songs but um so when you hear the songs with within the context that's what we try to do with the book we try to create this context to understand these 26 songs and and some of them are his most important or most popular songs uh, passion plenty roll on columbia hard traveling grand coulee dan these are some of his best songs um but then i also came about it from really being a history guy i really like history not in any sort of academic or professional way but just always have been curious about where things come from and um i always kind of think when you discover something great and interesting you know i always think where did that come from and is there more right so with music i always think wow that's a great old song you know usually from the 60s or whatever then i kind of go back farther because they always come from somewhere you know earlier yeah History is fascinating. It's funny because I remember being a ninth grader sitting in my history or civics class just thinking, kill me now. And flash forward to an adult, I can't get enough of it. Yeah. You know, I think with, uh, I was talking to someone about this recently about, you know, school and how we didn't really achieve that much in school or find that much interest in it because they you know it's you have to find something you're interested in first and then discover the history of that instead of just going into like oh and then trying to trying to understand it you know yeah well i think you have to have lived some history in order to appreciate history and perhaps that concept's lost on a young person because they don't have any history yet they don't really have a sense of where they came from because they're so, they're more in the present than an adult is. Absolutely. So that's great. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's totally where that is. So it's it's a folk and Americana genre. I put that in quotes because anymore I don't even know what genres mean. I think they're so oh my God. they're so it's bastardized I, at this point and incestuous. So. Yeah, I, you know at Americana Fest that was my whole deal. You know it's like. I understand the need for genre titles, and I get why we have to use them. But you know, the music, the good music, always lives in the middle of these of these categories, right? That's where the good stuff is. Is in the middle, in the cracks of country and folk and blues and gospel. You know, I mean, all of our favorite groups from the old days, you know, the '60s, like you know, Bob Dylan, The Birds, Grand Parsons, they all made music that was in the middle of those things. You know, and back then they didn't know what to call their music because it didn't fit the traditional genre titles you know but yeah yeah so so it's, it's hard i was trying to say that the whole time when i was in nashville because there's all kinds of new bands new artists that are making this music that's in the middle that's really great but it's hard for people to sort of sell them because they're sort of ha- hard to categorize yeah that's probably one of the worst questions that a person can ask a musician is well what what genre are you in or what 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 is your music and trying to describe that is always a difficulty i know it doesn't really come with markers there's there's ideas you know well there are cousins to what you're doing but not necessarily dead on this is what this is yeah, yeah. what is your music susan it's <laughs> a great question <laughs> I, I this is how I, I always say it is more like uh smart pop folk and that it's a storytelling mode modality. I, I tell stories, but it has more modern sounds to it than a traditional folk might be, or 
it's 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 a very difficult question, and because I write multi-genre for different artists, and I get to kind of wiggle around the question more. But my own music that I do, uh, I would consider it storytelling pop. Storytelling pop, I guess. I, I'm not really even. See, here I flounder. I don't know. It's so hard. I know. It's so hard. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough question. And ultimately, it's pointless, you know. But you know, it's because um, you know we we need to be somewhat crucial to make a living off of off of music. So therefore, you need to sort of have these identifiers. So well, yeah. it is a very human thing to try and put something into an identifiable package: black, white, Asian, you know, or rock, pop. Jewish, Catholic, you know, everybody wants to put something into, why can't we be just a mishmash of all things and have that be okay, but it doesn't fit the ego uh, of, of a human brain to do that. Yeah. We, we like things to have labels on them, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a northerner, right, but, but I, I'm a, you know, I'm a southerner stuck in a northern body up here in the northwest. Because of the kind of music you love? I just love the South, you know, and I'm up here now, back home, sort of missing it because there are just certain things that you do not get up here, you know. There's just a real lack of soul, I think. In the Pacific Northwest? Uh, in the Pacific Northwest, and, and I mean that in the fact where um, it's just sort of, you know, like that event last night was about New Orleans, and I played all these great New Orleans records, and they did their best. They really did great food, and... But it just wasn't like being in the South at all, and because there wasn't a lot of soul to it, and that's not even a black and white thing. There just wasn't any soul to the, you know. And, yeah. And and then I I just you know I wish I could live in a place where there's warm nights where you could sit outside at night and just chill and yeah. drink a beer outside on my porch, you know, and and then just the food. You know, I told you I went to Arnold's a couple, two days in a row. And I mean, three. As yeah. You know, yeah, you just can't get the down-home southern cooking up here. People try, but it's just sort of so meshed into the history and, and from families and from generation to generation that that just doesn't exist in this sort of newer place, you know, we're kind of a new place in the Pacific Northwest. It is a very interesting concept to think of food as as having its own soul and and the the ancestry of the people who created the recipes in the first place being passed down generation to generation to generation that's what it is yeah yeah and so we have great food up here but not like that where it's just like you know where it's sort of simple food um well it's more it's norwegian like or something in seattle it's more you know fish and cooler climate not a warm embracing food but a utilitarian food you know yeah it's also a lot of fusion going on up mm. here you know yeah for sure anyway we digress oh well it's all part of the conversation <laughs> what's it like being at kxp uh, tell, talk about that a little bit well it's great it's uh i'm very lucky to be on such a great platform you know so for people who don't know what it is, it's uh, it's um, a non-commercial, independent, listener-powered radio station in which we evolve our funding from our audience, and we also have underwriters who are you know 
usually smaller and mid-sized businesses who um, pay for like an ad, but it's not really a produced advertisement. It's just sort of called underwriting, and they and they give us about forty percent of our money. And then there's donors and big donors and whatnot. And all that combined uh, adds up to enough money to not only do uh, radio in which there's no rules and there's no commercial interest in the fact of what I can play. I can play anything I want. So I'm allowed that freedom because of our listeners. And we're really become really influential and really well known all over the world because um, we've sort of, I guess, done so well in creating this, this model in which we can be self-sufficient um, and dependent on our listeners instead of um, a commercial interest. Well, I mean, I think and, it is truly one of the best radio stations, and maybe in the world, but certainly in America. Yeah, I go to Nashville, people are like, oh, of course, they, everyone knows the station there. Yeah. Everywhere I go, they know the station, and sometimes they even know my show, so that's really flattering. And um, so I'm able to do a, a radio show. I do a weekly show. We have uh, specialty programs uh, during the weekday from 6 to 9 p.m., so I do the one on Wednesday night, and it's a, it's an American music show. And because of what I just described, I can be the lone curator and play exactly what I want. And over the course of like 16 years, it's funny. It's like I'm like an artist or musician myself in which I can create a sound of my own based on the songs I pick, right? Mm-hmm. So I play... Um, new music and old music and I mix it together so the sort of theme of the show is just music based on traditional American forms but of course that can be like the original recordings of the 1920s 1930s to you know the folk and blues revival of the 60s and 50s to these current groups that are doing the exact same thing people did in the 50s and 60s are just sourcing older material they're uh, sourcing something uh, from the past and making their interpretation of it, you know, it's really sort of the folk process over and over and over again. And so that's sort of what the show is. And then um, based on my selection, you know, every week for year after year after year, there becomes sort of a sound that I've developed and that a lot of other shows have developed too. Um, And that's sort of beauty because we're given the freedom to um, curate the show any way we want. We, we sort of get our own sound after a while. And, I, and I'm really proud of the show. It's a really great show. It's a very accessible show because if you like, you know, either you like the old traditional music or you like the 50s and 60s and 70s music or if you like new music, it's all there uh, in my show. So What I think is so important about that, <laughs> excuse me, is the fact that, um, you know, I write with a lot of new artists and they don't know music historically they only know what's on the the modern radio stations that play the same 10 songs over and over again which are all basically the same song in in a lot of ways and you know i i often say to them you know you have to go backwards study where all this music came from if you love for example the killers you know go back and listen to a robert johnson record and listen to him play guitar you'll hear things you'll hear where these modern musicians were inspired by their predecessors. And for stations like yours, I think it's giving this great, beautiful, historical education of music, which is so lacking these days. Personally, I think that. Oh, I agree. 
Oh, I know. And, and we've talked about this whole this thing about um, people wanting to sit, use the word derivative so much when it comes to new music and it's sort of like um, sort of suppressing, I think, young artists in a way. Um, in my opinion, it, like, you know what? If you're a young artist, be derivative. Go copy someone. Go find someone from the past that you love and do them. And then eventually you become yourself. Um, there's a great article. It's not an article. It's a speech, actually, that Bob Dylan gave when he accepted a Lifetime Achievement Award for Music Cares. You know the organization Music oh, yes. Cares? Absolutely. And so uh, Dylan was awarded something, I think it was last year, maybe two years ago. But you can see the transcript of his speech online. It's pretty easy to find. And it was just great because you don't hear Dylan talk really all that much. But the speech had to do with like him, uh, you know, he, he was remarking how people ask him all the time, how do you write those great songs? How did you write, you know, um, like a Rolling Stone or... You know, all the songs on that album are Blonde on Blonde. And, and he said, uh, well, he said, when you do, you know, In the Pines or you know, House Carpenter or these old traditional songs that everyone had done for, you know, generations, he said, when you do those songs over and over and over again, like thousands of times over again when you were younger, when you was coming up, then your songs come out of that. I mean, you your your identity or your songs come out from doing these old songs over and over again. So it's really interesting. Like he was sort of admitting, like he, you know, of course he's a Woody Guthrie uh, um, protege too. So I mean, he he did Woody right. He he, he tried to be like Woody, and he in that film. Um, blanket on the title the Cohen brother film about the um based on the Dave Van Ronk uh story oh, brother? uh Lewin the brother the Lewin, oh Llewellyn the, yeah yeah Llewellyn yeah. yeah yeah so I mean they kind of even make the point where like you know Dylan was just copying straight up uh Woody Guthrie and that is fine and I recommend everyone to someone and just copy them for a while and then you your songs and your identity will come out because really we have to be honest you when you copy someone you're still yourself you're still you, you can't actually be the person you're trying to copy right because you, you it's impossible we're, we're all individuals so your individuality will eventually come out and your songs will eventually come out but it's good to have that form to practice on and and to sort of develop you know no one's going to be no one is original you can't it's true. wake up you can't just start doing something and expect yourself to be original in the first week of doing something new so you need to find a role model and whether it's copying or borrowing or being derivative do that because then you will become yourself eventually and be great well even the great painters the masters they studied their masters you know it's true in right. every form I think yeah Absolutely. There's a great, there's, I posted it the other day and you actually on my Instagram, you commented on it and I just, I think it's such a great, um, a great quote. It's by, uh, I know I always say his name wrong, but Jim Jarmusch, 
Nothing is yeah. original. Steal from anywhere that resonates with inspiration or fuels your imagination. Devour old films, new films, music, books, paintings, photographs, poems, dreams, random conversations, architecture, bridges, street signs, trees, clouds, bodies of water, light and shadows. Select only things to steal from that speak directly to your soul. If you do this, your work and theft will be authentic. Authenticity is invaluable. Originality is non-existent. And don't bother concealing your thievery. Celebrate it if you feel like it. In any case, always remember what uh, Jean-Luc Godard said. It's not where you take things from. It's where you take them to. God. I mean, that's freaking awesome. That's exactly it right there, yeah. I love it. Totally. Yeah. So did you grow up a big, huge fan of music, or was this something that came to you later? No, I think I grew up that way, and I, I in my book, I, you know, there's that the acknowledgments or the thank you page, and I, I thanked my brother for that. I said, um, my brother Mark was the person who, you know, made me become a fan because we would listen to the American Top 40 on the radio every Sunday night. I, I'm old enough to know that program, but it was like a countdown show, and back in the day, all kinds of music was involved on the chart, you know from all all different kinds of stuff so it was fun you know it's funny how nowadays we love to make lists and top tens and all this countdown stuff but you know back when i was a kid it was that radio show counting down 40 to the number one song and hearing all that music in there and we would always be driving well you know the area bellingham and we would drive to to tacoma it's about two and a half hour drive and on the way home we'd always listen to that show and it would always fit in that kind of time slot of two hours or so and and so I just became a fan of I guess the radio and music then and and it was just always sort of interesting to um, get records you know I've always been interested in records and 45s and stuff and so yeah I guess it just always has been with me and I and I just have, I'm kind of a nerd in the fact that I've always wanted to sort of just sort of be the consumer and just take, take, take and and not have to deal with, <laughs> people always ask me, or do I, if I make music or if I play instruments or, and I say I don't because fanhood is so beautiful, I want to stay here. <laughs> yeah. So I've and back in the day, it. the music was a lot more diverse too. Of course, you'd listen yeah. to the radio, and you would hear multi genres within a given hour. Yeah, songs that yeah. repeat themselves. Who do you think is to deal with that? I think about that all the time. When we were little kids, and the radio was such a wonderful format to find music, and now when people are more diverse and interesting than ever, music has become this homogenized you know, a uh, commercial driven thing and you just get the same stuff over and over and over again. How shouldn't it be the opposite? The more weird we get, the more out there we get, the more diverse that it should What do you what's your opinion on that one? Oh boy, I don't know, Susan. I don't know. I my opinion is it's sad. It is right? sad, yes. I mean, we we've we've all been dumbed down so hard, it's just amazing, you know. I mean you know the the spectrum of human endeavor, right, and of human experience is so wide, and, and, and yet as Americans, we're just force-fed the same stuff over and over again every day, and it's just been dumped down. Our whole culture's been dumped down, so I don't think people, now it's been going on for 
into a new generation, several generations. So people don't even know, I think, really sort of the the amount of, uh, you know, greatness in... They don't know in, what they're missing. They don't know what they're missing, you know. And, and I feel like I do, people of my generation do, because we were exposed to so much more, especially on the radio in terms of music, but also with film, you know. I mean, what kind of new Hollywood films are interesting to you? Um, None are. I mean, yeah, yeah. they're basically the, rehashes of, of what was once great films. <laughs> I mean, they're just big commercials, you know, with product placement in them, and you know they have to be a big mega smash hit to be justified. And so, um, you know, the whole idea of an art film is just I, th- I think it's non-existent right now. I don't I don't know, but um, you know, I just don't think that as Americans we appreciate art and music um, as we should which is a shame because there's so much great stuff and then that's why I love doing the radio shows because 90% of the artists well 70% of the artists are, are artists that will be unknown to my listeners and so I'm trying to expose them to that in terms of old music but really the new music you know I was talking to last weekend about that I'm just really excited about all the the new artists that are great and uh, so I try to play them on the radio and I, I feel like I'm doing my small part in saying like this is what's great and this is what's going on right now yeah um oh you said something a second ago I should have written it down I, it, it sparked a question and now it's left my brain pan yeah. do people, no, people reach out to you much people, oh I'm sorry I was just gonna say one more thing oh sorry people, go ahead people have to dig you have to dig to find good stuff yeah in, in this culture it's just not going to be presented to you on tv or commercial radio or or from you know you have to dig for it you have to look you have to like be interested in something and then dig for the good stuff and it's just not going to be obvious so it's there yeah. you just have to use alternative uh, means and alternative media and, and your cool friends to find the good stuff yeah, I always say go to the the used record stores and wander the stacks and, you know, pull out stuff since I, the nice thing about a lot of these old record stores is you can get records for a quarter, 50 cents, yeah. you know, a dollar. They There's a couple places here in Nashville, um, The Great Escape, which is a little bit more expensive. It doesn't have as many as the kind of the cheapo ones, but there's a McKay's Used Books. It's a giant warehouse of books and records. And I love wandering the stacks of records up there. I've picked up incredible albums for a quarter, 50 cents, whatever. Yeah. brought them home and just had my mind blown open. And, you know, they have the wacky covers or whatever. But you can take a chance when you're spending a quarter. Just buy a dozen crazy-ass albums, bring them home, and listen to them. It's yeah. such an adventure. What are you eating? What is that? That looks good. We, we cut out for a minute, so I, I missed it, what you, the last thing said, but I'm eating uh, some uh, Greek yogurt with walnuts Ooh. and some almonds and then uh, my, my toast. That's a very good, healthy breakfast. Yeah, I'm trying to eat better. I'm trying to cut out sugar and uh, dairy and white flour. Yeah, Did you? Yeah. but you're doing Greek yogurt? Is it is it goat? Yeah. Goat or cow? I don't know. Oh. I, I don't know. <laughs> I like goat yogurt. It's not so bad. Yeah. I don't know why it's a weird thought to think about eating yogurt made from goat milk versus cow milk, but it seems weird. But I don't know why. They're they're both hooved yeah, animals. Yeah. I, I like goat 
I like goat cheese. Yeah, me too. It's tasty. So do you get a lot of people reaching out to you um, from the radio show saying, hey, you've turned me on to this or that? I'm, I imagine you, you get some fans out there that, that that's got to be a nice feeling to know that you're spreading the seeds of, of creativity and, and knowledge. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, different people all the time. It's, uh, people can contact me during the show on, you know, through an email, uh, but also I'm on social media. So it's great to hear from people. That's why I do it, you know? Yeah. That, that, that's the most rewarding thing is for people to um, to share that you've turned them on to some really sort of meaningful music, you know? Right. So I want to go back to the book, the Woody Guthrie book that you just uh, finished and put out. You know, it's on sale now. It is on sale now. That's right. And Sasquatch Books is the publisher, but yeah. I, I assume people can get it on Amazon and all that stuff. I'll put links up for that as well. Oh yes, there it's everywhere. It's yeah. everywhere. Um, I'm actually I'm actually number one in hydroelectricity on Amazon, which is just funny because it's a music history book, but <laughs> but since it has to do with. Um, the Columbia River projects were number one in hydroelectricity, which is hilarious. That is great. So, just tell the listeners. Let's just start from the beginning. Um, you, so this was your brainchild, and you went to the publisher and said, "I want to write this book," and they said, "Okay, cool." Or they said, "Are you crazy?" Or what? Talk us through that because I think a lot of people uh, have an inspiration to write or an aspiration to write a book and don't know the first thing about it and. Well, it's even better than that, Susan. So I did a three-hour radio program on the topic, and the publisher contacted me. That's great. Yeah, so I don't know how to get a book deal at all. I, just, <laughs> I don't even know why, why I was... Why did I even... Why me, you know? But, so... Well, it's such a random it, topic, just to pull that out of the air for you to go, I'm going to do a... Well, here's what happened. I found out about the story, and it was a great story. I um, saw a documentary made by the University of Oregon. A friend of mine, Michael Magic, uh, did a documentary about this story. And the story is one month in Woody Guthrie's life when he was hired by the Bonneville Power Administration to write uh, promotional songs for the Columbia River Projects and he was uh, in Portland for one month to do this gig and he wrote these 26 songs so that's why the title is 26 songs in 30 days he was uh, his job was to write one song per day you know weeks off uh, so the story was great and like, I, I was like wow how, I want to know more about that but why when I did some just initial research just sort of as a fan you know from my just sort of prep work for my radio show I realized there was nothing really there was not a lot of information about this um, about this time in Woody's life so then I saw the documentary and then there was in the 80s um, a record that came out which is a whole everything about this Susan is a really long story but in the 80s there was uh, an album that came out called the Columbia River Collection and those were 17 of the 26 songs because there was only 17 actually recorded and so then I had like some sort of basis to do a radio program and then I reached out to 
um, interview a couple people. One was Woody Guthrie's driver back in the time, 1941. I interviewed him. Wow. He was, his name was Elmer Bueller. He was about 90 years old. Great guy. And he, uh, so I had that as some source material. I had um, other audio from the Michael Magic film. And then I found some audio bits here and there in the Woody Guthrie uh, collection of recordings that have been released on like regular CDs and and so you know I put all this stuff together and I had a three hour radio show in which I, I played the songs but then I would play like I played the the revival versions of these songs like the versions from Bob Dylan he did Grand Coulee Dam um, at Woody's Memorial in 68 so I, I got that recording and then I got country joe mcdonald doing uh, patches of plenty and i got rambling jack elliott so i was able to put together a really entertaining three-hour show that featured really all the songs and then sort of this talking head bit sliced in there and the interview with elmer bueller and so i was able to make a pretty compelling three-hour special show about the story and i did first back in 2008 and then i revived it for woody's centennial in 2012 in which I kind of broadened it a bit more to the entire Woody Guthrie, um, you know, sort of life story and, yeah. and, and catalog. Uh, but then I put I had an hour of the Columbia River songs in there, and then the publisher heard that show and and contacted me, and I, you know, sort of looked behind me, and I said, are you talking to me? And, <laughs> and apparently they were talking. And then I said I'd never written a book before, and... Well, they said I should do it, and they gave me the, the confidence to do it, and and uh, then I did it. And I I, I had a co-writer help me finish it. Dan Pearson is a big part of the book. He's a professional journalist and editor for the Seattle Weekly, and so together we took what I had and made a nice book. And the uh, the, the design is quite nice too. Um, I love the pictures. Yeah, Anna Goldstein is the designer of the book. So we have a lot of, I learned the new word, it's called ephemera. There's a, a lot of ephemera in the book, and that's, that's sort of all the nice pictures and the graphs and Woody's employment uh, um, document, his like, application, and, and you know, some a nice map on the end pages. I like stuff, the so. ad for the Bonneville Power. It's like 40% to 30%. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so, you know, the Bonneville Power Administration, you know, they created all these um, these sort of time-specific uh, um, posters. And, you know, the 1930s was just a great time for this style of, of graphics and art mm-hmm. and, and music. So, yeah, it's funny. The, there were just so many of those I loved. One of them I like is the, is the sort of farm farmer's wife at home to radio and the, the, the poster says like now you can listen to the radio for, for free because <laughs> <laughs> you gotta remember back in the day that's a, that's a big point of this book is like rural people in eastern Oregon and eastern Washington in the 1930s were not only suffering from the great depression um, but they had no electricity in their homes so you know, they were literally living in the dark. And so the idea of bringing electricity and, and power and cheaper power to these people was, was a big, was the, was the point 
of well, one of the points of the projects, and and that really resonated with Woody Guthrie because you know he was um, he really identified with rural people, and like I said, a lot of the migrant people, Dust Bowl uh, refugees, were were intended to move up to the Northwest as part of this new pro- uh, plan, Promised Land. Yeah. It's a really neat book. It's very interesting. Did it, did any of the family reach out to you? Yeah, I did work with the Guthrie family. Um, Nora Guthrie has really sort of been the guiding light for Woody's, um, I guess, legacy and and the the you know the publishing and the materials and and you know all these great uh, tribute albums. You know, like the Billy Bragg and Willico record. Yeah, where those guys took old, uh, um, you know lyrics of, of Guthrie and made new songs you know that's all the brainchild of Guthrie Nora Guthrie is Woody's um, daughter uh, and now Anna Canoni is Nora's daughter she's sort of taking um, a bit more uh, of the reins in doing this and I worked exclusively with her to um, well, for a lot of things but mostly to sort of to get a lot of the the photographs uh, from the Woody Guthrie archives, and also what I'm most proud of is we have 11 of these song manuscripts um, from Woody's actual typewriter from back in 1941. So each uh, chapter-facing page has a an original manuscript in which you can see a song like "Hard Traveling" um, from Woody's typewriter. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's super cool. So, are you done with your book tour for right now? Are you? Do you have some stops up ahead? Uh, pretty much. I'm going to be in Tulsa next weekend. As I'm going back to the Whitty Guthrie Center where I spent a week doing research two years ago. And Dina McLeod, uh, the executive director there, is has now become my big sister, and she's awesome. And uh, she's invited me to come back to do a reading there. So it's kind of coming full circle, you know. I'm sort of at the end of the book tour stuff. I was in Nashville to, to push the book as well. And now I'm going to be coming back to to Tulsa where it kind of all began and that's where the archives are this is a great museum um, they're very nice and part of the museum is the Witty Guthrie archives which houses all of the stuff you know all of the the papers the notebooks the drawings Witty was a prolific um, artist too he was a sort of a sketch drawer and sign painter before he became a musician so he was really sort of a, a multimedia artist in a lot of ways and I dig so it. the archives yeah the archives holds all that stuff that's amazing so what's your next project are you gonna write write some more stuff oh boy I don't know Susan I, I, it was painful you know I, I don't know if um, you know the book business is, is funny it's, it's really hard to make money writing books so I think it's hard to make money being creative, period, these days. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, I would like to. It had to be the right topic. It was really a long process. I would have to shorten the process if I did it again because, um, you know, you really can only live so long on in advance. And then unless your book sells, there's not much money coming your way. So you have to decide for yourself how much time can I invest. That's pretty much becomes your free time. But it's your, it's all of your time, you know. And then you uh, have to figure if you can make money to get that back, or is it strictly a passion project and you want to do it anyway? You know, everything I do has been a passion project, so I, I really need to sort of think about what I do in the future in terms of if I have, you know, 
if my wife will allow me to do another a passion project, you know, because my, my wife has been supporting me through this whole thing, and she's been fantastic. She's a lovely woman, and I, I also thank her so much for letting me do this book. Yeah. Because it's awesome. something I'm really proud of, and it's great, but, you know, I, I don't know if I can do another one. It allows you to spend more time with your daughter, too, though, which is good. Yeah, not true. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think, uh, Harry Smith might be a good topic for a book someday. He's another sort of iconic figure that has um, a Northwest angle. He Harry Smith is the guy, really sort of um, eclectic, sort of cult figure, weirdo kind of guy. He's the guy who uh, collected all the songs that eventually became the anthology of American folk music, which uh, was put out in 1953. We sort of ignited the whole folk and blues revival of the 50s and 60s. So, Harry Smith is from my hometown of Bellingham, Yay, Washington. Bellingham. So, so, there's a connection there, and no one's ever written about Harry Smith, but that would be quite an endeavor because his life was very, very interesting. And just the music collection was only one small aspect of his entire life. So, wow. That would be no one's, ever, no one's ever written about him before. So, well, that's a great idea. Sasquatch, if you're listening, there you go. Get him, yeah, get him uh, on board for the next book. Yeah. I'll need a big advance. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Greg Vandy, DJ, author. Uh, what do you What do you call a person that is on the radio anymore? They're not... What are those? What, what do you call yourself as far as the radio part goes? Uh, are they still called the, DJs there too? I, yeah, DJ. Yeah. Radio d- DJ? Yeah, well, I'm a host. DJ. Host. And host, host yeah. on KXP, and I, again, I'll put links for all this stuff on on HeyHumanPodcast.com. I do have to know: did, was one of your favorite shows WKRP in Cincinnati when you were growing up? <laughs> no. <laughs> I love that show. No, it wasn't. <laughs> thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Susan. It's it was good super to talk fun. To you. Great to talk to you. Great meeting you in Nashville, and I look forward to a long friendship with you. I think you're an extraordinary person. Thanks, Susan. Likewise, okay. and go, go, hey human. Go, hey human.